IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they service projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website at iatse212.com or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting! Welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. I'm Scott Westby. I'm Matt Waterworth. We are at Folsom Productions, and we are on a mission to unite the Alberta film, television, and digital media communities. Yeah, I just I was on the SoundCloud, and I saw that that we used that word mission uh, just the other day. Yeah. And uh, we are on a mission. That we is, are on a mission. True, yeah. And uh, if you believe that uh, the Alberta film community should and can be more cohesive uh, and more connected, then, uh, you know, keep listening to this podcast because that's what we're trying to do here. Um, how are you today, Matt? I'm swell. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm super good. It's been, uh, weather's been nice. It's life been a beautiful is, day. It's Stampede Week right now yeah. as we're recording. Yeah. Have you have you been? I haven't yet, no. You haven't yet? No. Uh, maybe this weekend? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's Last either that or not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I saw the Grandstand show on Tuesday night. And, uh, oh, how was it? It was awesome. Sweet. It was awesome. It's the, the 50th anniversary of the Young Canadians. Right. Uh, and Briar used to be in the Young Canadians. Right. So there was kind of a personal connection there. And they had like um, a stand-up comic who has a stutter. Oh. Like a really bad stutter. Interesting. And, and it was so good. Like he was so, like he leaned into it. Right, and right, right. He, You know, it, it was so funny. Cool. Uh, they had a ventriloquist. They had... Um, stand-up on the grandstand show. That's, yeah, it was interesting. Kind of interesting. Yeah. They had a, a magician... Who did some David Blaine kind of stuff and then escaped from this human bear trap, which was a little bit lame. But, human uh, bear trap. Yeah, it was kind of lame. People trying to trap human bears. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but it was overall, it was a great show. Um, and it's definitely something that I would recommend tr- checking out. Cool. Uh, it's the best way to see the fireworks, and uh, right, right. which are my favorite thing ever. So yeah, yeah. I've always loved it, and even like I, I, I didn't, I didn't ever go to the grandstand show. I didn't really realize what a big deal it was. I had never been until Briar. Yeah, but, uh, and then Briar, I think yeah. I think it was my parents came down and wanted to see the chuck wagons, and so yeah. that comes with it. And yeah, so I think that was the first time. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm I was blown away. I've, every time I've seen it, I've, I've been yeah. totally impressed. It's a great show for yeah. sure. Uh, but yeah, I was the same way. I'd never really cared to see it before, but something worth checking out. Yeah. Um, so. What's going on with Jones in right now? Oh, uh, Jones in. Yes, uh, we are. Uh, we're, we're in in the thick of auditions right now. Getting getting right. ready to uh, to do auditions and and working with our casting director Carrie, who's amazing. Uh, yeah, and so it's going to be three full days of of uh, auditions here in Calgary. Yep. Um, yeah, that's going to be so. That's so exciting and so fun. Um, yeah, and it's going to be part of my recommendation uh, at the end for actors um, for auditions. But yeah. Well, how are you feeling about it? I'm feeling great, man. You know, um, there, there's so much great talent in LA, but there is here too. Yeah. And uh, sure. it's going to, you know, um, it, it's going to be nice to just, you know, give, give, you know, everyone a chance to kind of show us, you know, what they've got and what they've learned and, and where they've come. And, uh, and, you know, there's some friends of ours that are coming in and I'm just excited to see those people yeah, again. Yeah, for and, sure. For you sure. know, it, it feels like, uh, 
it just feels good to to host auditions here and i'm really excited for it nice yeah awesome yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun i'm uh from the producer perspective i'm a little concerned about uh not being able to and i will but having you know i gotta keep working on stuff and keep pushing things forward yeah it's three solid so days for of, three days yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try not to be rude but I, I may be on the laptop and may take some breaks but uh we're taping everything as well and so yep certainly uh yeah that'll be at the csif we're using their backspace mm-hmm. which uh everybody should be doing because it's a cool space and uh yeah and great cheap venue and, and, and accessible by transit yeah, yeah. and free parking for right sure. outside and so yeah uh and speaking of the csif they are introducing clubs they've had a screenwriting yes. club for a while but they're um they they look they reach out to the membership for more yeah, yeah. for more clubs and and there's they still are accepting you know club ideas so if you've got a you know if you want to start a club and you kind of want an official uh, partner to help you kick it off the CSAF uh, which is the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers is a great way to go about doing that yeah um, and so they're they're announcing kind of two clubs that they've got going on right now there's a screenwriting club which is the second Tuesday of every month from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the CSAF uh, and that is a drop-in club the c- club leader is Kevin Weir. Uh, and it sounds exactly what it what it sounds like. It's a, a screenwriting club. So you chat about screenwriting, you chat about story ideas. And the other one, which is a new one, is a sound club. And this happens on the third Thursday of every month. Sound club. Yeah. Cool. 7, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, it is a drop-in thing again uh, for anyone interested in location sound, post sound, and how it can be applied to their works. Whether you're a mixer or you just want to talk to other mixers about gear and rates, uh, or you want to know about the, the whole process, uh, it's a great way to kind of tap into the sound community and, uh, and you know, join a group with a specific focus of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you want to if you want to find out more about either of these, you can contact communication at CSIF.org. Um, and if you want to start a club, then you can contact programming at CSIF.org. Yeah, and, and you'll you'll reach Reza at that at that email address. And uh, and I happen to know, having chatted with Reza, that uh uh, there was some good response, so they are. Uh, so I think we can expect a number of new clubs to be announced awesome. soon, um, including uh, one from uh, our VFX guy on in Plainview, Olaf, uh, who has uh, some interest in, in doing a VFX uh, meetup. Amazing, or, and not meetup, but like club, club uh, through the CSIF. So I believe that is also happening. So stay That's tuned. That's exciting. That. Yeah, cool. What else is in the news? We uh, oh yeah. the cyborgs. Yes, the cyborgs. Oh my god! So if you're following this feature slash series uh, on social media, these folks are killing it. Yeah, and we had and we had uh, we did an episode we had with them, them a while back now yeah. when they were shooting, and so uh, they are um, beginning the uh, the the press tour, uh, the the building the buzz for uh, for the. Um, for well, the series. I guess it's a it's a web series. Yeah. Um, and the poster looks incredible. It does. It looks like, so like eighties retro. Um, yeah, totally. It's like that. What was that short that came out? That was uh, oh fuck, what was it? It was like that action movie, eighties style, and they're making a feature now. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, damn, I, Kung Fury. Kung Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, hearkening back to you know the eighties and that whole nostalgia feeling. <laughs> yeah. These guys for cyborgs are leaning right into it. VHS yeah. kind of vibe. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And the poster looks like like Raiders of the Lost Ark, or, uh, <laughs> yeah. or it's it's amazing. Yeah, it yeah. is really cool. Very cool. Uh, and they've released their uh, the first trailer, the first full trailer yeah. for the web series is out, um, and it's awesome. It's got some never before seen footage, uh, and there's a link to that trailer in the show notes because it's a YouTube yes. link. But you can you know you can search YouTube for Cyborgs, which is uh, P S Y Borgs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll mm-hmm. find it there. 
Very cool. Yeah. And congrats to those guys. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode we did with them, um, check it out. Yeah, check it out for sure because it tells you all about that. Um, and so, they, yeah, the, that was part of uh, Story Hive's inaugural 100K yeah. initiative. So, um, yeah, congrats to them for making it so far and for for really, you know, doing such a great job. And it's so nice to see a project that is purely passion-based. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously these guys are really in love with this uh, this kind of thing. So, yeah, you know, it's worth it's worth checking out. Totally, especially if you're if you were, you know, a child of the of, of the eighties or nineties. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah, it's gonna be cool. All right, here's a guest that uh, has been on our list since we came yes. up with the idea for the podcast. Yes. Uh, it's long overdue, and so excited to to share this conversation with you because we don't get a lot of uh, people who are so technically inclined. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Aaron Bernakovich uh, is uh, one of the you know the big. Uh, directors of photography cinematographers in alberta for sure and uh he's just a great dude yeah and it was a great conversation and so here he is Aaron Burnett. what will be the first page in the book of the internet aardvark something you only do it alphabetically <laughs> yeah. i you guess it it's an, it, the, the internet is an encyclopedia yeah. yeah i don't know i would i would probably do it by like page popularity start there oh okay yeah that's smart reddit Oh yeah, I guess it would just be Reddit. <laughs> it would just, just be, be a whole like bunch of weird yeah. back backlog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 4chan would be its own like book. So thank you for being here. Yeah, so thanks happy for having me. Uh, we like to start things off by asking what the heck made you want to get into this crazy business in the first place? Yeah, well, it's funny. Like I didn't even, I, I started my filmmaking journey really young. Um Kind of bought my first like high eight camera when I was eleven. High eight, yes, yeah, yeah. high eight. Damn. I paid, paid cash at Future Shop. Wow, nice. bought the demo. Right, like scrounged all year, saved like shoveling snow and yeah. birthday money, and and I just love like recording things and playing it back, like right, always right. from an early age. Huh. Uh, and uh, from there, I just like was shooting movies with my friends, a lot of like action sports stuff, like skateboard sure. films, snowboard films, right. And then you know, you you and I, we met at the CSIF teen camp yep. film camp, which yep. was really like an amazing experience. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, because I was like, Oh, film. What's <laughs> yeah. I, you went film. I, I went video. Yeah. I, I, I can't afford that. So maybe <laughs> I could do this camp and, yeah. um, yeah, just really like just the, the art of just recording something and playing it back has always been, it always been like, um, just mesmerizing. Yeah. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Uh, and I, editing on like the VCRs, you know, we had the tape high to tape. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't have I didn't have a computer, and we would yeah. do like yeah. that's why I did mine in high school too. Yeah, yeah. You have to like pause the video camera because if you stopped it, and the head stopped spinning, and then you got this weird gap. Oh yeah, there, there was a lot of tricks. Yeah, there's always yeah. that's this little static frame. Yeah, you yeah. could never totally. get it out. No. <laughs> no. we had a high camera too, as if like a family camera, and we had the the V the VHS adapter where you could take the oh yeah yeah, yeah. tape and drop it into a VHS yeah. and then pop it in, Ooh. and that's how I would VCR edit. Yeah, um, those were the days, man. Yeah, but yeah. Meanwhile, over in high school, I was learning Adobe Premiere. Like that, like I had they had a suite in the uh, in the school I went to, so that was cool. But um, lucky. In the, in the summer media arts camp, uh, we had, I remember your team, we watched each other's work Yeah, and your team made like a, a long single film, right? All on uh, film. Well, we did, I did, I did it two but years. But got a chunk of it. You know, what's funny. I did it two years in a row. Yeah. One year we made a z- zombie movie. Cause yes, that's, so what, that's, what what saw, that's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah. You know, yeah. cause that's, that's a movie. And then yeah. the other one was like this arty, arty film where we built this set and we like crawled through these boxes and made this really like surreal universe in the old sofa cinema there cool cool yeah. oh yeah yeah 
Yeah. So it's funny, like early on, I was just always keen on filmmaking and cinematography, especially. And, uh, yeah, I didn't even really think of it as a job. It was more of like, I just really like this and I'm passionate about it and it's a hobby. Right. And then out of high school, actually I studied engineering for a year at UFC and, uh, why? I don't know. I was just like in calculus and all the AP math classes. And I was just good at math. And some guy comes into the room and he's like, this is what you're going to do. You should be an engineer because you're in calculus. And I was like, (laughs) and you're in Calgary. I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, did engineering, did well at it. And, uh, I was just making movies on the weekend still. And I was just really just keen on filmmaking and, uh, about, I don't know, there's maybe a month left of engineering. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to film school. And I just made the decision wow, and cool. finished and did all my exams and, you know, got good grades and just finished strong and then moved on. So nice. So yeah. if, if, if you ever decided to go back, you could, you could maybe start again. Is that, would that be, Oh, I don't even like think about it anymore. Two? I don't even think about it anymore. Oh, no, no of I, course, think, of course. I think university classes it's uh, after 10 years, you're kind of done. Oh, so exactly. you gotta go back to square yeah, one. No, so, I mean, I, that's, no, I don't think that would be the plan at, at sorry, all. Oh, you were famous. It's pop popping. Uh, so, but I remember in that summer media arts camp, you guys, the film side, it was the zombie movie and they had, you had, you had zombies crawling out of a lake or a pond or something, Yeah, but they were dry and it, they were just, it was just in reverse. And I yeah. was like, I was like blown away. I was like, that's brilliant. Well, it's that funny. Idea. That's a pickup shot because we, that was my, every, every, I think there was like eight of us and we each got a little two minute scene yeah, that sounds right uh, throughout yeah. the movie. And yeah. that was my scene and it, and, okay, and it was cool. a pickup shot. And so that's actually the only scene. And we filmed that on my digital, I had a digital eight camera after ah. the height. So that's a digital eight camera okay. intercut with film. Okay. Okay. I was like, uh, how do you do that we on filmed film? It I was like, my, how do you do that? With all my buddies from Cochrane and we did it out at Ghost Lake. Uh, nice, so we nice. did like walking backwards. Yes. Slowly totally. in zombie uh, attire and then dry play in reverse and they walk yeah. out dry. You know? So good. So good. Love Being it. creative, you know? <laughs> that's super fun. I like that. So, so when did you decide, oh, maybe this could actually be my job? Yeah, I think just, you know, kind of the first year out of high school there and in engineering, I just started to think about it a lot and it's my life and what, what it was going to become if I was stayed in engineering. And I was just, I just knew I'd be happier doing what I was really passionate about. And right. I think, you know, kind of that first year of, you know, post-secondary, sure. I, was, I was like, this is it for me. This is all I want to do. And I'm just going to hit it 130%. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So, so where'd you go to film school? I went to film, uh, film school out in Vancouver at VFS. Right. Sweet. Yeah. How was that? You know what? I, I really liked the experience. Um, tons of great instructors. You know, I got to shoot, we shot, I don't know. I think we shot like close to 10,000 feet of film, at, including all the exercises. Wow. I got to DP two 16 mil film projects. I did the midterm project and the final, uh, super 16 project with cool. the DI. So I, I chose VFS because they had a really strong, cinematography department with two great instructors and you got to shoot a lot of film and, uh, and yeah, so I kind of made my, my decision based on, you know, what I was going to get out of the school. Cause I didn't want to go do a four year university degree. I just right. knew I wanted right. to get in, learn, the learn gen- about yeah. cinematography, especially just shooting film and just prioritize my, you know, all my attention on that. So and, you knew and, cinematography was the, Oh, the, the oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. And is that, I, I don't, we've talked about VFS a little bit on the show and, and I don't know how it is now, but when you were there, 
could you specialize in cinematography? That was your kind of how they run it is the first six months is just general. Okay. So it's like you learn about, you know, AD and you do the strip board and you sure. learn about uh, directing, producing there. They were on Avid's back then. So we learned about the Avid's. Right. We had some 16 mil classes where we shot film in the studio. Um, and then the midterms come up, which is kind of the big first 10 minute movie that you make in groups of 10. So it's 30 kids. So it's three films. Right. And, um, to be eligible to be a, in the cinematography category, you have to, I think it's like they, you went in and got tested or something and only the X, the top kids were eligible to be the DPs and okay, cool. so on. So, so the first six months was general. And then after the first six months, uh, you kind of start to specialize in what you're really passionate about. And then you just start working on those projects in the, in those disciplines. Cause okay. it's a year round program, right? You don't break. No, it was a yeah. full 12 months and I, it was really free time was limited. Like I think it was just one week at Christmas and maybe one week at uh, Easter or Thanksgiving right. or yeah, something. It's and then your class is Monday to Friday and then projects, uh, on the weekends and prep and right. And even when you're in production, you're still there, you know, you're at the school most days and shooting and what, uh, what was it about film? specifically. Yeah. You seem to have a, a more of an interest in film than video. I think it was just something that I couldn't teach myself because mm. I mean, one it's, you know, if you get, you know, proper instruction and somebody who's like, here's how you load the magazine and here's the pin registration test and here's how you expose film. I mean, I think you skip a lot of trial and error, which is a very expensive. Yes. With thing. film. Yeah. Um, so I just knew, yeah, I just like, I just love the process of like, shooting something. And then the fact that it's this tangible piece of film that you can then right. project. Like I just, I've always, real. Been, yeah, like yeah. Even like shooting 35 mil stills, you know, in high school and just, you know, as a hobbyist in the dark room at high school in the black and doing black and white. I just, I just always love that. Cool. Yeah. Are you still a video? Like, are you still a film guy? If you, can you shoot on, do you try to shoot on film? I, I've, I've pitched it on a few projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a tough, it's a tough, it's sell. A tough sell. Yeah. Just in and the getting, world, getting like just tougher, yeah. how budgets land. Um, the Bretts and I, we tried to do a short, uh, a couple years ago and I read it and I was like, this is a beautiful f project. It would be so suited for film. Right. And we crunched the numbers and it's still, you know, on an AFA budget, it just wasn't doable. Right. Right. So, I mean, I think that's re as of, as of late, that's the closest I've ever been. Yeah. Right. Um, but I talk about it a lot yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, one day, yeah. you know, and, and now it's, it's kind of making a resurgence, uh, even on commercials. Cause it's like a, you know, everybody's seen the Alexa, everybody's seen the red, everybody's yeah. seen these digital cameras and that, you know, films kind of like, like, you know, they're bringing back that look right, even in the right. short form world. So, I mean, another than unless, you know, you're shooting like a big, big budget Hollywood film and you've, you've just got a you know blank check. Right. You know, even, even people that we aspire to be like in the film industry mm -hmm. still can't even get their producers to go film. So yeah. yeah. Just, I think that's 2018 for that's you. That's how it is. Yeah. 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 Interesting. It's tough. So 4k, What's the, what's the company called? 4K, 4K Productions, 4K Film Productions. Film yeah, production. I mean, my film production company. It's it's. Uh, I do I do some production, but yeah. I mean, my passion. You know, seventy five percent of my year is me just working as a freelance yeah. cinematographer, director of photography on other people's projects. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of you know, it's mostly the entity that I rent my film equipment through. If I'm just renting gear out to people or right. okay. things like that. Right. So gotcha. Yeah. First and foremost, just cinematography that's my yeah, my cool, jam cool but you do it under that heading is that or is that that's just kind of yeah your your loan out sort of thing uh 
How so? Sorry. Well, I mean, like, does 4K, like you do commercial production through them as well, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I get some jobs through it for sure, but right. I, mostly I'm just kind of working on those projects as right. the, the DOP because that's, gotcha, gotcha. that's my, yeah, cool. that's the sweet spot. Right. Sweet. Yeah. Right on. Um, so, so you get out of film school. Yeah. You come back to Calgary. No, I stayed in uh, Vancouver. Actually, oh. I, uh, I got so lucky. It was it's actually moved a, from Vancouver to Calgary. Uh, well, I lived in Calgary. I lived yeah. in Calgary. So I grew up here. Yeah, yeah. Went to high school out in Cochrane and, uh, Cochrane High. good old Cochrane Represent. High. Cochrane Cobras. Yeah. If you've ever seen the movie, Snake Pit. if you've oh, ever yeah. seen the movie rad, you know, the gymnasium, it's the, <laughs> it's the, it's the bike off scene. I have not. Oh, no. rad is, is a classic Cochrane huh. flick. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what, what did you guys not go to high school together then? What year? We had this chat. Uh, we did have this chat recently. What year? You, you, I think you were a couple of years before me. Were you uh, with Stopes or did you graduate after her? Uh, Mandy was in my brother's grade. So I was right. two years younger than. Yeah. Than so you would have been a year above me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, we, we so you did. You would have passed yeah. each other in the halls or something. Yeah. That's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure we did. Yeah. Cool. We would have, we would have high fived and stuff. So, but you go to Vancouver. Yeah. But then you stay. Yeah, I stayed. So I just, you know, you know, you go on Kijiji or what was it about Craigslist back yeah, then? Yeah, you're like yeah. looking for anything. Yeah. Um, and I got pretty lucky. Like I, I worked on a few uh, 35 and 16 mil projects as like a second AC loading mags and just kind of seeing the bigger sets working. Um, and then randomly I was at the UBC film fest, uh, with my buddy Roger actually, and we had our skateboards and we're just, you know, ripped flannel and jeans and are you know, just sitting there watching movies. And beside me was a woman and we just started chatting. I just struck a conversation with her and she was the rental manager at Panavision. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> Panavision? Um, I just graduated from film school and just started chatting with her. And I, she, she let on that the, someone was quitting and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'll be there tomorrow. And I, I literally, I went there like every day for like a week. And I was like, are you guys, do you guys want to talk anymore? Or when <laughs> you do I start? Up? Yeah. And I just, I, I probably went there like a dozen times wow, until wow. they hired me. <laughs> this, this is kind of a theme of, yeah. of our recent yeah. episodes is just yeah. like that tenacity of yeah. Just yeah. showing up and coming Hustle. back and coming back. Coming yeah. Up. Yeah. Because Panavision, like, you know, coming out of film school, it's like, that's like, that's where all the big toys are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. uh, all the, all the, the professional tools, equipment and lenses. Um, and yeah, I just learned about every piece of gear, every, cool. every 35 mil film camera, every lens. So what was the moment where you're, you're coming in every day? Tell us the moment where you went from not having a job there to having a job there. Was there someone who was just like, God damn it. Fine. Or, or they're no, like, yeah, I, good there, was a, there was a, a gentleman there. His name was Robin, a really nice man. And, uh, yeah, he was, he just kind of, he's like, yeah, let's do this. Okay, you, cool. You've got it. <laughs> yeah. And I, the other bonus that I, that I would imagine is you, you would see, I don't know what shows are shooting there at the time, but a lot of production happening there. You would see the package, you would see the camera package and you know, everything that goes into a, a full, you know, on a big TV show or a movie, oh, sure yeah. you would see every, every little detail of, of what goes into yeah, it. Yeah. It was nice. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they were prepping some pretty big movies while I was yeah. there. Like they had Die Hard four and oh, they wow. did, um, well, all like the major show, like the, what were they doing back there? Like, what are other notable ones? Sandlot three. I remember. <laughs> And, uh, a couple of TV shows, like I think Battlestar Galactica, oh, yeah, the L word. And yeah. yeah. So they had like, you know, they had big features coming through yeah, with yeah. like mostly the ACs were there, uh, but sometimes it would take them like a week or two to prep the packages. Right, Cause it's right. a lot of, you know, sometimes they're prepping four cameras or four, sure, you know, right, right. for those big kind of three month films. Right. Yeah. 
And uh, Battlestar was on video, wasn't it? So was that they shot F nine hundred that okay. was panavised. Okay, panavised means that they they had the Panavision lens mounts. Okay, and then they actually their action cam was the HVX two hundred, which I always thought oh, was really? cool. Really, so all the underwater stuff in Battlestar is on right, that camera. Right, right. And cool, which is funny that they used a tinner cut with the F nine hundred because yeah. that was like the pinnacle of digital cameras, you know, <laughs> right. back in the mid two thousands. Huh. So you, so you must, yeah, you were there at the time when, when the industry was transitioning. It was really like, that's yeah, totally seeing video cameras working on, on big sets. That's, that's yeah. Like I think there was, you know, what was there? There was the Aerie camera called the D20 was an early one. Okay. And then there was the Panavision Genesis, which yes. was the Panavision's right. first, I think it was HD or 2K with really big magazines that were insanely expensive and you could record for like 18 minutes. Right. So it's just, just kind of like yeah, film yeah. anyways. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, that was kind of the start of it all. You know, the Viper cam was the other one. Viper. Uh, God, yeah. Wow. So there was yeah, quite a few of them. Yeah. yeah. For in terms of like the, you know, upper echelon of digital cinema. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. And what were those shooting on? What was the media at the time? Yeah. Uh, I think those, they were all kind of proprietary. They yeah. were all their own beasts. Right. Like the Panavision magazines were just their own. It, it, it kind of looked like a, on the Genesis, it looked like a film mag. Oh, that's interesting. And they kind of built to kind of, I don't know, just have the look of the film yeah. camera. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe a bit that of an some, easier transition. Something, something, something like that. Yeah. Cool. So it was like hard drives in there that looked like yeah, definitely. magazines. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. Uh, so when did, when did you come back to Calgary? Uh, actually from, um, uh, from Vancouver, I came, I came back to Calgary, uh, just mostly cause I was just missing my family and my grandpa sure. and my mom and yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you know, you've been away for a while and I had an opportunity here and I worked for energy TV, which was like this like oil and gas news TV show. Okay. NRG, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I, uh, ultimately I had a, had a trip planned to Australia for a year. Ah. I had some friends out there. I knew a guy who was a compositor at a, at a studio there cool. and had some leads on working with some film companies there. So I worked there and shot some stuff. Sweet. Yeah, I shot some like uh, cheesy furniture commercials and <laughs> yeah. cool, yeah, and uh, Weight Watcher style commercials. Oh, right on. Yeah, so it was like cool. Like, yeah. we, you know, I drove uh, the the guy, the production company that I worked for there. They had like a the original viral van, like it was a Sprinter van, fully kitted out with an edit suite, and we we drive from Sydney to Brisbane shooting stuff. Wow. And, yeah. So Sweet. I was in Australia for a year doing that. Dope. And, uh, yeah, just kind of enjoying my time. That's such an interesting thing about this business in particular, right? Like it's, it's not, if you're, you know, let's say you're an, an engineer, you can't necessarily go abroad somewhere and like pick up a couple jobs here and there. Well, yeah. Um, you, well, you gotta be certified. You yeah. gotta have the stamp <laughs> right, right. Yeah, to exactly, be an engineer. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, yeah, it's an interesting business where you can kind of just jump on a job for a couple of days or. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's kind yeah. of a craft in that way right and you're like yeah plumber, but i mean but in your early 20s like you're just, yeah. try, you're just trying to figure it out it's you're pretty, like yeah. you're like what's interesting where right. could i maybe get work totally, totally. um you know meet as many people as you can so i think it was that was kind of all part of my thought process yeah, back sure. then yeah sweet so so australia for a year but you're still doing film stuff yeah when film you can stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah cool. definitely shot a music video out there which was cool cool yeah it was good so, I mean, is it the same, was it the same feeling for you? Like, like uh, when it comes to the feature film, was it, was it getting out and, and being the cinematographer on a feature film was kind of on your radar or no? that's always been on my yeah, radar. Okay, like cool, even cool. early on, like I, I just love the, just the narrative storytelling right. of, of movie making, like moving the camera for intention and, sure. and just the long, the long game of telling a story over 90 minutes. Right. Like that's, yeah, that's where my heart is. Um, and that's what I, yeah, really like. Cool. So do. how did, so what was the first film? You've done so many now. I don't even know what the, ah, the very, man, that's a great question. I should have, I should have checked it out. <laughs> uh, the first narrative feature that I yeah, did. Yeah. 
I think it was, I shot a movie uh, with Calvin. If anybody remembers him, yes, Calvin Malton. Yes. yes. Um, and we shot a film called Eli regrets. Right. Yeah. And yeah it yeah. took us a long time. Like it was a lot of weekends and right. um, like it was like six, maybe six months of shooting, like five days here, two days yeah. there. Um, yeah. And I shot that. And then I shot another film a similar time uh, that I worked on. I think somebody else had shot half of it and I shot the other half called oh, okay. uh, missing link. Oh, okay. It's really old. Yeah. I think we shot uh, DVX or HVX oh, or something. Sweet. I can't even remember to be honest. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. But that was, yeah. Quite so, a while ago. So how did you go from Australia to, to finally doing the first, the first feature? Well, it was funny. Like, um, in Australia, I, um, the, the other cinematographer that worked for the company that I was with, he was an older chap and he, had gone to NAB and heard about the red camera before the ah, red camera was even out. Right. So early on, even when I worked at Panavision, they had uh, released the idea about the red camera and then the plans got stolen and it was all this drama. Oh really? Yeah. There was like some early <laughs> drama with the red camera. Wow, that's cool. Um, and no, everybody thought they couldn't be done and mm-hmm. people thought it was vaporware. And Why? Yeah. We were, well, we were in, we were in at SAIT at the time. I remember. Yeah. I, I remember. Was, Phil 2000, was it 2007 or it would have been 2007, 08. Yeah. 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 Before they, f- the first came out. So anyways, I was in Australia and the, the, uh, this, the guy that I was working with, he's like, these are going to be a big deal. Like these are, you know, he was at NAB. He saw the presentation yeah. and he kind of switched me on to it. Why? So, Why though? Just, yeah, geek out with me a little bit because I don't really know the answer. Well, I think, like, I so think what Red really did, and I mean, tip my hat to them, is that they, you know, they disrupted disrupted the industry for sure by making this high quality 4K camera at like a, you know, all camera stuff's really expensive, but at, like compared, compared to, like, to like, yeah, compared to like the Genesis camera, I think, it, I don't even know what it cost or yeah, like, like the, the cameras that the don't Aerie sell, D21 they was rent. like half a million dollar. I don't right, even, right, I'm just making yeah. up a number, but it was a really big number. Of course. And then, you know, Red's saying, Hey, we're going to make a 4k camera for under 20 K for the body. Like people just, you know, that's a right. game changer for sure. Game changer, but also laughed at them. Cause they're like, this right. can't be done. Right. right. Um, so yeah, they really disrupted the industry by making it, you know, obtainable for, you know, guys like us to, right. to yeah. own the piece of gear, to, to learn the craft, right. to have it in your back pocket at all times. Totally, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So how soon did you get one? Um, you had one pretty early. <laughs> well, no. So it's funny. Like I, uh, I really, I, th- I thought it'd be a fantastic tool to have. And, uh, yeah, it was in Cochrane at the time and there was, um, I went to the bank actually. And it was funny. I was, I think I was 20, maybe 24. And I was like, Hey, can I get a loan for $40,000? And they're like, do you have any equity? And I was like, what's that? What's equity? Like, literally, like, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I had, I had a, my car was worth 800 bucks. <laughs> right. Is, yeah. Does that count? They're like, no, <laughs> but the woman at the bank was really kind. And she told me about this um, program. Uh, it's called community futures and it's a program and it's only in uh, rural communities in Canada. So like Calgary wouldn't have it or right. Edmonton wouldn't have it. And they give loans to young entrepreneurs. Cool. Oh, that's cool. Cochrane uh, counted? Uh, Cochrane, Cochrane. The headquarter for where the Rocky View district is in Cochrane. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, God damn it. So that's kind of why 4K was born so that I, I, so I could get the loan to get the camera. Right. And that's oh, how my, yeah. that's cool. So you started this entrepreneur starting a company and. Yeah. But yeah. mostly just to just you know, have camera, a camera yeah. so I can shoot movies. So, right. Nice. Yeah. And what was the camera that you got? I got the red camera. The, just the red one or whatever? Yeah. The yeah. original like one. The original. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. yeah. But I got, uh, I got a loan from them at, you know. Then the crazy thing with the reds originally was it was a thousand dollars down, no refund. Oh, and I was like, I only had like maybe 2,500 bucks in my right. bank account. And I put the thousand dollars down and I had one year to figure out how to get the money. 
Right. So I had like the right. time bomb. I was like, I gotta oh, figure, cool. I got to figure this out. Cause, right. cause, cause I, I put, when, when they're ready, they were going to want the rest. Yeah. Right. And it was a, it was a year wait to get them. Right. So right. I wanted to get in the queue. Sure. Yeah. 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 And, and it was the right move, obviously. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the reds have come a long way now. There's like, sure. you know, dozens of cameras and they're, yeah. you know, they're hard to, you know, the carbon fiber dragon and sure. Weapon oh, yeah. and helium. Yeah, 8K and now. And there's yeah. so many different, you know, even guys like myself, like, you know, it's hard to, you know, go through it all and understand and what yeah. sensor, what body. Right. right, right yeah. Right. Cause there's just, yeah. they have a lot of products, Yeah, but they've actually just recently streamlined their sensor line. So there's only three. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that three cameras are selling yeah. now. So huh, cool. Yeah. I mean, they, and, and, and what red did is they actually forced a lot of the other camera manufacturers to really up their game as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the, you know, the, right. you look at the, the mini, the design of the mini is just like very similar to the body of the Epic. Right. Almost like inspired by that small form factor. Mm-hmm. And now that's like the go-to commercial, every camera. Right. right? Of course. Yeah. Um, you know, and other cameras like, you know, Sony used to charge for firmware upgrades and now red gave everything away for free. Right. So now all the other camera companies had, had to, to adapt. Same, yeah. Right. Right. So I think ultimately like it's kind, of, it's kind of the it's iPhone. A, it's a big uh, disruptor, world, but right? ultimately yeah. it made technology better for everybody doesn't matter what camera you root for. And even for me, like I'm not a red fanboy. Like I like shooting on all the cameras. Like yeah. this last week I sh- I've shot on four different cameras and it, none of them were the red. Oh really? You oh, know what I mean? I did three jobs in a row, three different cameras. Oh. So for me, it's like I own one and if it's the right camera for the job, I shoot on it, but I don't exclusively shoot on it, nor do I like oversell it. Cause right. sometimes it's not the right camera for the, for the gig. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. And the other nice thing, I remember you could upgrade it like as they got, yeah. as they, the yeah. technology advanced, you could ship it back and upgrade for, I don't know, higher quality or better, different sensor. Or- yeah. I mean, I think my, this is just my personal opinion. I think that they do that too frequently because mm. you're always kind of like, you want the new tickle me ammo, right. you know, yeah, every yeah, year. Yeah, and yeah. it's, you know, by the time you get, you know, the, the latest release, they've already talked about the next thing and you're right. already like, Oh great. I just got this new thing right and now. There's another new thing. Right, right. So I actually, I got out of the upgrade uh, queue like a f- three years ago. Oh, so okay. like from my, I have the Epic MX, then they had the dragon cameras and now the, the weapon cameras. And I missed kind of two upgrade paths because I was kind of just over the whole, you know, well, you don't have your camera, right? Like it's got to go ship in and then you're, you're stuck without a camera. Yeah. But it's That's like, it. you look at Aerie and their cameras, you know, they've, they've improved upon the technology, but the sensor is fundamentally the same from the original Alexa oh, really? classic. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Other, well, other than that, the LF and the, right, the 60, new. 65, yeah. which is a sensor array, okay. but the, the standard, you know, Alexa XT classic plus mini, like it's all the same sensor. Right. So they're, they're due for an upgrade. Right. Right. Yeah. No doubt. For a smaller sensor that is. Yeah. 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 The Calgary Film Centre is a world-class screen-based production facility suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. White, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. And at the Calgary Film Centre, the aim is to, uh, is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in a purpose-built venue designed to service individual client needs. As well, the Calgary Film Centre delivers programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry, and they love uh, the local community here. So check out their website uh, at calgaryfilmcenter.com, and we'll get back to our conversation with Aaron. 
So this was a question I asked uh, your betrothed uh, on the show recently. Yeah, actually, uh, it's funny. I listened to her podcast and I was like, man, those guys are such good podcasters. <laughs> like your voices, how you guys like interview. I'm like, well, and, and it, I, it, it came to me just in the moment because yeah. because I had recently spoken with Deetra about uh, a project. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I could have come to her with more details, better prepared, you know, so that, Oh, oh yeah. You're going to do the equivalent. Yeah. So the equivalent question, question for you being as a, as a producer, as an indie filmmaker, if I want to hire you, how do I go about that? How do I come correct? Basically? How do I, how do I say, like give you everything you need rather than, you know, maybe a, a lot of back and forth and, and, and right. especially to budget, you know, what, what, you know, as a producer, how do I budget properly? How do I hire you as a, as a cinematographer? What's the, what's the, the top, you know, the top tips to, to do that properly as if uh, in the hypothetical situation that the producer's calling me or the director is calling me. Yeah. Either. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Cause I think it ultimately it's two different conversations. Sure. You know, okay. Director is typically, typically just full creative. Mm-hmm. Like how can we execute the creative vision right. to the max and how are we, how are we going to execute that and what, what's that going to look like? Right. And, and then, and then from there, it's really just about time and money and what we want to bring. Right. Um, but if a producer is approaching a, a DOP, I mean, it's really nice just to know um, how many days you want to shoot for generally what you're thinking in terms of um, to, well, I'll start, I'll start this uh, thought again. Sometimes a producer will approach me and say, Hey, we've got money for X amount of people in a crew. Right. Or sometimes the question is, you know, we, we, what do you think you need to do the job properly? Right. Cause ultimately, you know, if you're doing a day exterior movie with minimal lighting, you don't need, you know, four lamp right. ops or five, sure. five right. grip Alexis. Sure. Whereas if you're doing a, a whole film of nights, you know, you'll need a bigger lighting team. You'll need prep. You'll need pre-rigging. Um, I mean, as of late, I've really been fighting just for more time in prep. Cause I feel, uh, you know, the earlier you hire all the key creatives, your costume designers, art directors, DOPs, um, the longer time in prep, the better your, your movie will be every right. time. Right. You know, um, cause I think that's where your movie really gets shot. Of course. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, you make all the decisions there, the lenses, the, the schedule, and right. the more time you have to make the schedule, the best version of itself the better your movie will be right. every time for sure. So what do you, like, what, what does a DP need to do in prep? What should a DP be, be prepping well, in prep? We do tons of stuff. Like, I mean, like, um, everything from breaking down the script with the director, right. Um, taking a look at options for locations and what may, may work the best for either the camera movement or lighting or, you know, matchability. Say we're, you know, say we shoot inside of this room here, but then the exterior has to be somewhere else. Like, will the doors work? Will right. the windows work? Right. Um, looking at time of day in the movie and mm. making sure that that aligns with the schedule and you have the proper team that you need to, to make that work. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, shooting? Do you ever shoot? Like, do you like camera, camera yeah, tests? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. So I always strive for camera tests. Cool. Um, typically when we may shoot multiple cameras, like, uh, the film I did with Olaf hello world, like we shot three cameras. Oh, wow. we, did, we did lens tests. Actually, Olaf's film was amazing because we shot, we shot all those tests even before the story hive, um, answer came in if we got it right because we needed to be so organized mm. and ready because to go because so much post work. he had yeah. so much yeah. post like a mountain of posts yeah. Yeah. that from getting the grant i think we shot within the first week or two oh, wow <laughs> so uh, and that's because we spent all this time testing the cameras right. uh the lenses uh, did some lighting tests um and some vfx tests cool so i think ultimately like if you can if you can shoot wardrobe if you can shoot makeup tests if you can shoot different looks for lighting based yeah. on people's faces. If you can shoot filter tests, like all those things are also very beneficial. And in the feature film 
you know, world, I, I would do it every time. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Sometimes on a short, you don't have that luxury timing actors availability right, right, schedule, yeah. but in the, in the long form, definitely. Right. Cool. So as a producer, uh, do you, I, I don't know if everybody knows that, that like you can be a huge, um, weight off of your back of just saying, who do you want to hire? Right. Like, because really it would be nice if a DP could always pick their team. Right. And they yeah. usually work with some people, some people that they use a lot. Um, so, so yeah, is that the best bet is to just say, look, here's, here's, or, or to ask you, you know, what do you think you need to do the job really well? And what's that going to cost and, and do some back and forth so that a producer can massage the budget. Is that maybe the best route? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing with any budget, it's like, you know, you've got X amount of spend, mm-hmm. you know, say 20% here, 30% there, yeah. 50% there. Um, and all of these things that you're spending on will ultimately make your movie look better. Sure. Right. And it's like, well, do we want to move a chunk from here to there? Right. Um, and I kind of call that, I've invented this thing called the beautiful compromise where it's, you know, you're going to gain something here, but you'll, you'll ultimately lose something over sure, there. Yeah. And sure. what, you know, what, what's worth more, right. you know, is the big, is the big crane for the night scene worth more than having the steady cam for two days later in the movie? And, and, and that's a discussion that we'll have with the director or the producer and just see what'll work best creatively, logistically, budget wise. Um, cause yeah, it's like, it's the money is finite and you want to spend it efficiently as possible. And, and same with time, right? I think that's, I think what you just said is filmmaking in a nutshell, it's all compromise. It's all about deciding, you know, yes, I'm going to lose over here, but I'm going to win yeah. over here. And is that when well, I guess I think, I mean, compromise kind of has all this negative connotation. I think it's mostly yeah. just, um, making sure that you're serving the story to its mm-hmm, fullest mm-hmm. potential, right. you know, which is, you know, you can use the word compromise or not, but ultimately you just want to create the strongest version of the movie right. with the resources at your, with disposal. the resources yeah. at yeah. your hand. Yeah. yeah. Which are often limited. Right. So, right. so the question, yeah, being, is that steady cam better or maybe it is, or maybe, yeah. maybe the crane or maybe is, there's is the a more efficient way to do that shot. Sure. That's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. potentially, you know, less expensive totally. or, or whatever it may be. Uh, we, we shot a short together. Um, and it was called like Sunday morning. Okay. Yeah. You taught me, you taught me something really interesting. Um, uh, while we were shooting, um, you had a focus puller there and this is going to lead into a question. I promise. And, <laughs> uh, and she was kind of asking you like, who should I be? focusing on because it was like kind of a sort of a dirty two shot kind of thing and uh you were like and your answer was you're a storyteller you, you figured out and i went Did holy I shit that? yeah <laughs> went, holy shit the focus portaler is a storyteller um and that was just it just blew my mind and uh and it was a really cool relationship there and and so my question for you is a little bit related to that is how, what does your working relationship look like with the director as far as being a storyteller? And I don't mean like the DP in general. I mean, you specifically, like how do you like to work and tell that story with them? I think um, all directors have different styles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So ultimately my style kind of, I cater my, my contribution to how they like to create their films. Um, some people I've made films with are very organized shot list to a T. Um, they know exactly where they want the camera to move. Um, and I love working with people like that who just really know their ins and outs. Um, and then I've done other films where, uh, you know, uh, people don't have a, such a strong grasp of like what the 35 mil lens looks right. like potentially what, what could be a creative way to tell this scene? Like, Oh, Oh, we could dolly through the door. That's a great idea. Let's do that. So I, I, I think it depends. It's such an yeah. open-ended question. Um, and I, I just ultimately, I want to give the director the best version of their movie every yeah. time. and every knowing that every director is different. They have different sensibilities, different tastes, uh, different approaches. 
I just try to tailor their experience with me to, to just be as fluid as possible. Mm-hmm. If I don't know if that answered your yeah, question. No, it totally does. It totally does. I'm going to, I'm going to dig a little deeper. Um, yeah, so if you, if you had like a finite amount of time, which you always do, would you, would you spend it on lighting or would you spend it on more takes? Like, where do you kind of like what, what within your world is kind of well, your favorite thing to play with? Well, for takes, I mean, ultimately it just comes down to performance. So that's right. mostly the director. Yeah. Unless there's a technical error, like right. mm-hmm. focuses out sure, or sure. something's not right or whatever. Um, so I think the time, you know, is well spent again. I think it's just in prep because if right. you prep, if you prep really well, the shooting is so simple and, and easy and everybody knows what's happening. Yeah. And I think it's on the films where you don't do the prep and you're figuring out the shots on the fly and you're, you haven't scouted the location and you're going in blind. I think those are the situations where you do need to spend the extra time because it's like, you're kind of figuring it out as you go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, before yeah, I, I, another, another question that we ask a lot is, is the breaking in question. What, what's your, what are your tips for, for breaking in? So maybe think about that one while we talk about, Oh, thank you. As you, nice. as you, jump. while you, while you talk and think about other things, <laughs> yeah, <there. as> you, <laughs> uh, multitasking, but like, what about like getting into the feature world? I mean, I think, I think it's interesting in, in this city and, and, and the province in general, there, there's kind of been. I mean, it's hard to see the forest from the tree sometimes, but I think we're in a generation of, of filmmakers who are creating more feature films in this community than have ever been happening normally, especially at the lower budget level. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. So, so yeah, looking at the, like like the past five to ten years, you've done a ton of feature films. I mean, in the in the grand scheme, um, what has that been like? What's I, I don't want to I don't want you to, to ask you what was your favorite, but but what what was what's that world like now that you're kind of one of the the go to cinematographers in this problem? Well, I've, it's been a journey for yeah. sure. Like I think you know some small steps in the beginning, and you know you you know you learn as you go and you you improve upon. Um, and in, I mean, it's funny. Like I haven't shot a feature for the last uh, since we did Everfall, so it's been a while now. Right, it's yeah. kind of probably been the longest gap in my career. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, Again, as of late, I've just mostly been shooting commercial mm-hmm. content cool, or, you know, broadcast stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think you just, you always just stick to your gut, like, cause, cause your taste will change too right. as a, as a cinematographer. It's just like being a painter, right? You know, you could, you could paint something and five years later, look back upon it and say, Ooh, Ooh I <laughs> right, of course. Oh, why man. did I paint that apple with that shadow <laughs> yeah. there? Uh, and so I, much think, I think it's the same with my work, you know, right, I'll, right. I'll look back at, at films that I shot, you know, three, four years ago, and I'm like my, even just my personal style and touch has changed that yeah. I look at that. I'm like, it's it and it's a, it's nice. It's almost like looking at a tattoo and reflecting upon it. Right. You know, you, you've, you did this thing, you created this thing and your taste and style has changed. So yeah, of course. always, you know, just thinking in the present day, I always just try to stay true to like your gut, what mm. feels right, mm-hmm. what, what, what works for the composition, what works for the lighting, what works for the color contrast and, and what just feels feels right. I guess right, right, right. confident, I guess is a good word. What feels confident for the movie? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It is. I mean, it's, it's, there are, there are some things in this industry that are, um, some, some roots you can take that are, I think, uh, pretty standard, like, like, and I, no, there's not, I'm trying to think of locations location department. Yeah. The maybe locations like, department has even the that, clearest like, route. Like when, like when you talk about the, the focus puller though, like everybody really does have like a, like a storytelling creative of course, of course role. Like I'm trying yeah. to think of like, even like a set painter, like you're, you're doing something that's having an impact on the story. Yeah. And I don't think people recognize necessarily that, you know, oh, that's the camera guy. No, there's so much more yeah, going on. I mean, on everybody is an, an author to yeah, some degree yeah, yeah. Of, of the film itself. Totally, yeah. 
Yeah, of course. Um, so what are you, like, what are your, like, for, again, leading into the, the people who are, who are wanting to become cinematographers, what are your tips for like, like telling story through, through color or light? I mean, how do you, how do you even approach that? That sounds like a daunting task. That's a good question. I think, you know, in early stages, I think just study the greats. I mean, I think that's the great, like the great cinematographers gotcha. before yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. and, sure, and yeah, just yeah. even looking at like the, the earlier, you know, the pre 1950s films sure. and the black and whites. And, and I mean, that's where all the filmmaking conventions were, were born like right. the over the shoulder dolling in for creating suspense Sure, yeah, and just yeah. all the kind of standard stuff. That's part of our, our language now, like even like a, you know, if a five-year-old toddler watching a commercial when they cut to a, or a cartoon, for example, they cut to a close-up of like a, you know, a something, they know that it's important. Why is this right. important? Well, something's right. going to happen with this thing. That's the right. close-up. Totally. And now it's like, it's ingrained in everybody's heads, like what certain camera movements mean, you know, or even something simple like um, a dolly move left to right, like a left to right dolly move feels natural. Cause that's how you read a book. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if you dolly the other way, you know, maybe it's suspense, maybe something bad's going to happen. And yeah. those, those are like subtle cues that maybe the common population doesn't pick up upon, but it's, but it's, it's, subconscious, it's a visual it's language. We know now, that yeah. that means something's awry. Something's right, not right. 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 Interesting. So I think, um, so it's a language that I think we could all like hear, I understand, but not yeah. necessarily speak. Yeah, right? I, you just got to yeah. learn to speak that language. Especially, I mean, for me going through the first feature, it was, it was like that. Is, yeah. It's, it, it is a language. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it's weird because it's like you, it's like you hear it all the time because you watch movies yeah, all yeah. the time, but, but you never really speak. You've it, never right? considered speaking yeah, it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's interesting. And they're so rare. It's so rare to get the opportunity to speak it to you, right? Um, so hit me with those, those ideas. If I'm a, if I'm a cinematographer, if I'm graduating film school, if I'm looking for film school and I want to be a cinematographer, what's the, what's the so, path to take? So I, I, I kind of have two, two tips. Okay. Uh, so I think there is no path. Okay. I think you make your own path. Sure. So whether you want to do, I mean, the general paths are, you know, you know, starting the union camera assistant route, right. cam up, transfer. Like it's a ladder or, that you can or, climb. Or, or lighting, you right, know, in the right. union. Um, or rental house, you know, right. start in a rental house and meet people and start shooting your own things. Right. Um, getting involved in like your local film co-op or, you know, CSIF, for example, like yeah, you and I sure. did early on in our teens. Totally. Um, uh, so that's kind of like intro baby steps. For me personally, like the, one of the, the greatest lessons that I ever learned as a cinematographer and just making myself stronger was when I shot, I don't know if you guys, I shot that film, the money tree that I did everything. I everything, directed, yeah. directed yeah. it, and yeah, edited yeah, yeah. it. I did the music, right? Every, <laughs> everything. Right. And it's funny after making that film, it gave me so much more respect for the director mm. and what their role entails right. that it made me a stronger cinematographer. Right. Totally, totally. Um, so I think like, you know, uh, in the early stages of your career, I would, I would tell every DOP to try that. At least for me, it was like, it was this eye opening experience right. where, you know, I, yeah, I made a movie and maybe it wasn't the best version of the movie, but the experience of, of just going through the process of like the overall vision mm -hmm. and sitting mm -hmm. in that hot seat and understanding how, how difficult and how large that job is. Right. Uh, I, I look back and I reflect, reflect so fondly upon that experience because it's just given me so much more insight to like what it takes to, 
to be a director and thus working with the director. Right. So, so I think yeah. that's a, that's a great tip. We actually haven't really that heard that tip one yeah. before, but there's nothing like understanding what another department. Yeah. And I, and I know <laughs> that I'm like, and it's, that was a unique film because I would never embark on directing like dialogue. Right. And the film, it's all, it's a children's book, visual, very, okay. very like, you know, music video esque in terms of just it's visuals and voiceover. Right. You know, I think there was maybe three lines in the film. Hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I definitely know that I'm not a director. <laughs> <laughs> that conversation between the director and cinematographer is so important. Yeah. And I bet like what you just said strikes me that like, man, I bet you, you came, you now go to that conversation in a completely different way from a completely different perspective, which is so smart. Yeah. And now I want to, now I want to be a cinematographer so I can get, <laughs> get that well, it's, at least and, once. And the, the reverse of that, it's funny. Um, a long time ago, I took the uh, main, uh, workshop media workshop, the cinematography masterclass okay. in Rockport, Maine. They've got a film. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went there in 2010 and I met this really interesting, uh, gentleman from Portugal named Sal. And he, um, he was a commercial director taking the cinematography intensive right. to learn about the cinematographer. Right, right. So almost like the reverse of what I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think if you, if you put yourself in the hot shoes of any other role, yeah. you just realize and respect even more totally. like how difficult right. that job is. Totally. It doesn't matter what the role is, you know, your art department, mm-hmm. production acting, designer, yeah. uh, oh, acting. Yeah. yeah acting's That's nuts. the hardest one. I mean, it, you're yeah. so, Totally, being an yeah. actor, it's like the, you know, be natural right now with everyone looking at you. No, no, right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Well, and also just the, the vulnerability you. of just putting yourself totally. out there. Yeah. Even, you know, I think that that's like the, uh, I tip my yeah. hat to every actor in the world because Absolutely. that's such a difficult task. Totally. I, I actually did that very thing. Uh, I want to say recently, it's been a few years now. Uh, I went to a, a an acting workshop and just said, I'm a director. And so some of this, I'm not going to do like they were doing monologues and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it's, it's such a good idea to, to try to immerse yourself in, in some of the other yeah. roles to not only to, to be able to have the conversation, but to, to come from it, a place of understanding of what their challenges yeah. might be. Even if you don't fully understand what's going on, at least you have a, a, a concept of, you've been in those shoes yeah. at least a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's not yeah. so alien anymore. Totally. So, uh, what's going on now? What are you up to now? What's the future hold? Like I was saying this last week, it's been, uh, job after job. I shot three kind of commercial things yeah, in yeah. a row. Yeah. Uh, I'm going up to Edmonton next week. I'm doing a commercial black and white job, which will be really fun yeah, on, the, cool. on the red monochrome. So it's the black and white camera. Oh, right on. Yeah. yeah. Um, why, so when I, when I hear that, that my dumb brain is like, why, why not just do it, make it black and white later? What's the, what's the upside of, Oh, I, well, the I red, the red monochrome, <laughs> it's a, it's a interesting, um, camera because, because it doesn't record color. The, um, the sensitivity of the sensor goes up. It's oh. you just get cleaner blacks, less oh. noise. So you get this really crisp black and white image. Like clearly you could do a post, you know, yeah, just, and change the black and white image. But, um, just with the way the sensor technology works, you, you're going to render a cleaner, crisper black and white image, right. especially in lower light levels. Mm. Cool. Yeah. So I think so it, you'll have more latitude sort of to play with the colors. Or not yeah, the colors uh, well, I think the, the I mean, I'm not a hundred percent confident if it has actually more latitude, like by dynamic, dynamic range. You mean? Okay. Yeah. I'm not well, sure if you get more dynamic range, but you get, um, a cleaner image in lower light. Okay. Right. So the base ISO is up. Oh, uh, right. So it's better in low light and it's cleaner in the black. So awesome. le- less, less noise in the shadows. And I think, you know, when you're approaching a project in grayscale, you know, you're just looking everything from black, black to white, white. Right. And I think noise is more apparent. Whereas right. when you shoot color, 
you know, and we're looking at your, your, your room here, you know, the noise can hide in your chair and sure. the blacks, but yeah. if it's black and white, a lot more things kind of go within that tone range. Cool. Um, so you'd notice it more. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I've got that coming up and you, we talk about you all the time these days on the show because oh, you instruct you. the, uh, the, uh, workshop, the, yeah, the we just, Scarlet we did, workshop. We just yeah. did the other the night. Yeah. 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 There. yeah. yeah. It was the, the first evening class. Oh, how was, was that? A, it was nice. It was actually a really intimate class. We had two students, Oh, sweet. Uh, <laughs> which was like a treat actually, because they, they got so much hands on, hands on yeah. and one-on-one time. Totally. They're both really keen students asked like amazing questions. Um, That's great. And yeah, it was a good experience. And that if, if you, we say it all the time, but if you don't know, you, you need to take this workshop with you, Aaron, uh, in order to rent the four, uh, is it 4k Scarlet? So they got this yeah. 4k Scarlet at the yeah. CSIF. It's a, it's an amazing little package. Uh, they've just kitted it out with V mount batteries finally. Oh, so cool. they had the little red volts before, oh, but sweet. Nick's got it all dialed in with the right V mount. So it's That's like powering. Great. It's simpler. They've got those cinema primes, the Canon cinema prime. Yeah. So it's like, Ooh, it's a, like if yeah. you're an indie filmmaker, yeah. like that is the most, that's a good kit. For what it costs and what you get. Like it's such a, it's a steal of a deal yeah. to nice. go make your first short or totally. anything. Totally. Yeah. Cool. So lightning round. And oh. I know that the answer is it depends on the story. So let's just move past that. <laughs> um, but something's happened and the budget's gone and you only get one lens. What's mm. the length? What's the focal length? Uh, I know it depends on the story, but just, just lighting I'm around. I'm going to say check. I like the 40 mil focal oh. length. And I think I like a 40 mil because it's slightly uh, wider than a 50, which is the normal um, human, human eye perception of the world 50, is a 50 yeah, mil. Kind of the baseline. Um, and I think people just look more pleasing when they're slightly a little bit bigger and more bigger and wider in the frame. And I, I've just recently, I've just been really loving looking through the 40 mil hmm. and, uh, yeah, the job uh, the job I did on Monday, we had the Leica these Leica Summicron lenses are really nice new lenses, and the forty we did all of our interviews on the forty mil, and just every face looks so nice and cool. pleasing because of that, just slightly wider than normal. Nice. So I think I think you could tell the whole movie on that. Nice. I, I like that answer. Okay, so yeah. again, I know it depends on the story. Uh, handheld sticks, dolly, jib. You only have one of these things, these tools oh, yeah. at your disposal. Well, I, I I'm gonna have to say handheld because it's the most uh, versatile. Right. Right. You know, you've got, you want to shoot the whole movie on the jib. You need a oh, lot sure. of area behind you to swing it around. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think handheld lends itself to more natural images, like l- less kind of like cinematic and pretty images, but it, with handheld, I mean, I could, I can walk around all day with, I can move anywhere with the right, camera. Of course, yeah. I don't have to lay track. So I think, you know, not that I'd want to say that on every movie, but right. I think in terms of this first, that I think you have more versatility from handheld. Interesting. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. I've never thought about that. One more and it's something about a codec or a lot. Help Matt. Ask I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's a good, it's a good idea. Uh, uh, damn. I, I mean, it's dumb, but camera, like if you could only shoot on one camera for the rest of your life, what would it be? I mean, I think the airy system does skin tones the best. Mm, okay. That's just me. I mean, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think the, the just how it how it mimics skin tone is the most pleasing right looks the most natural um so yeah i'd have to give that the check mark there cool. i mean they're all yeah of yeah, course yeah. well we understand that of course yeah so. it's that's a tough but it's one like, yeah yeah and that's the that's the beautiful thing about i think that was one of the one of the first times i sat down with the dp and i was I, I think especially when the red was new everybody wanted to shoot on the red and a good question that DPs were asking directors was why? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great camera, but why is this the right camera for for this yeah. shoot? So, uh, yeah. 
I still can't answer those questions. I don't. I don't know enough. Well, about yeah. I mean, to, other than like to speak properly yeah, about it. Yeah. Other than like, well, I'm shooting in a cave, so I need a DSLR and I want something really tiny. That's I need an A7S. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need low light. Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. So, uh, but yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you. So, can people reach out to you and, and kind of ask you some questions? And, yeah, one hundred percent. Where can they you hit you? me on Instagram? It's Four K Film Pro at Four awesome. K Film Pro. So just hit me up there. Perfect. Or my my website's my name. So AaronBernakovich.com. Check out my reel and my work and Fantastic. send me an email so you can email me through there um, or get me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm, 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 I'm there. Killer. I'm, and you teach those workshops every once in a while. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's like once. A, how often is that? Yeah. Once every like couple like, months or I once a month? I think what they or? do, it's either three or four times a year, a year, but sometimes we don't have enough students. So they push it. Or, right, right. Yeah. But it's been going on for, I think I've been doing it for almost five years it's now. A long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's easy to talk about something that you do all the time. Right. 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 You yeah. know, for sure. You know, I, use the red camera all the time. So it's easy to talk about. And I like but it's it. complex enough that you can't just put it in someone's hands and, and yeah. expect them to be able to use it. Really yeah. Not break it. And yeah. I, mean, yeah. I personally just in my heart, like I always think so fondly of the CSIF because you know, yeah. you were there too. It's like started. Yeah. It's where I really, you know, through Dave Jones and, um, yeah. What was the other gentleman's name? Pete. He used to work at the Plaza. Yes. Like those yes. two guys, those two gentlemen, He's like in Edmonton now at the Metro. I got to just tip my hat to Dave Jones. Totally. Because he literally like, I signed up for my email address. I never had one at CSIF because to become a member, you needed one. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I have 15 or I guess I was 15 or so. Right. And, um, yeah, I just think so fondly and just Dave, like I'd call Dave and I'd always have questions and he'd always just give me the time of day and just, nice, yeah. I was so I was so scared of him, but not because he was scary, just because I was I was a little scaredy cat. Well, yeah, he yeah. was he was always so nice. Like I would call totally. him and be like, "What's a sandbag?" And he'd be like, "Well, he's kind of a gruff. He has a gruff aura about him, yeah, but he's yeah. not at all a gruff guy." No, we got to have him on the show. Yeah, we should. Sure. He's working at Satan. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, to be honest, I haven't seen him for years. So if oh, really? If you listen, yeah, Dave, yeah. Let's, let's grab a beer, man. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks man. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Aaron, uh, if you didn't get that vibe in the conversation, he's absolutely accessible. Totally. Yeah. Um, you know, very community oriented. And I think he's, I don't think he's explicitly said it, but I, from what I can tell is he, he really does seem to take people under his wing. Uh, there are yeah. a number of people who've worked with him, who've uh, kind of gone on to do their own thing and, and, and kind of, he, he's a mentor and I, we yeah. didn't really talk about that part of it, but um, I think, yeah, I think he's done some really good work uh, for the community. So he's open to, to helping others learn for sure. Certainly. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into the news you can use uh, brought to you every week by bleeding art industries. And this week they're challenging everyone to take a new perspective. Mm. This is a really good tip. Actually, when making movies, web series or other content, doing it on the cheap quote unquote has become an art form in and of itself. So when asked for hot tips, Canadian Screen Awards uh, Best Web Series nominees focused on how to get a series filmed with minimal resources. Here's some of their tips. Recruiting cast and crew who share your vision uh, will guarantee or may guarantee their willingness to go above and beyond for little or no money. Um, and that's kind of hitting them in their passion part of their hearts. Uh, using your ingenuity to stretch your budget is great, but asking people to work for free or at less than a living wage and expecting suppliers to donate or cut prices is a race to the bottom uh, and is not the way to create a sustainable industry. It's for sure a yeah, problem, yeah. It's totally true. The artistry that can be realized in a low-budget indie film is undeniable, and big budget certainly doesn't mean high quality, but the concept of the starving artist is a century old, centuries-old species that uh, Bleeding Art, and, and me for one as well, would love uh, to see go extinct. Right. 
It's totally true. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I think, you know, as uh, prices are dropping for things like equipment and technology in general, and you're, you know, we're able to find robots and, you know, computer programs that can, you know, do the work of yeah. some, you know, former crew members uh, for cheap or for free. Yeah. The the landscape is cheap, is changing when it comes to how much production costs. For sure. And, and Story Hive, um, you know, uh, is fantastic. And I think the one of the downsides is not Story Hive in itself, but just the expectation that's coming with what can be done for $10,000, right? And it's right. because it's brand new, not brand new filmmakers, but some of them are. Some of them are, are, you know, emerging filmmakers who are putting in so much blood, sweat and tears and asking so much, so many favors that we've got this collection of shorts that were done for $10,000 cash, but we're, we're not aware of all of the sweat equity and the, you know, totally, yeah. the favors that were called in to make these things. Yeah. So I think there is a bit of a, uh, a shift in expectations on what can be done for a budget that low. Right. I remember uh, a classic story from Kevin Smith the, about making clerks. He famously knows the budget to the penny. I think it's $27,000 or something. Um, and, and he put it all on credit cards. And then when uh, the Weinsteins came knocking and, and offered to buy the movie, they were like, well, how much did it cost you to make? And yeah. he was he was like going to say 27000 but his producer was like, "Well, no, we, you know, we worked a lot harder than twenty seven thousand dollars. There's a lot more to yeah. it." Yeah, so, oh, absolutely. You know. And that, I mean, that's the same thing with the telephone micro budget, right? And this is something that we bumped up against. Yeah, was people saying, "What's your budget?" And so, you, I mean, sometimes you can say that it was higher if you're in a situation where you count the, the amount of work that you and I put into it. Mm-hmm. Not only unpaid, but we were also paying our money to make this movie. Right, right. Right, and we worked for years on mm-hmm. this movie and, mm-hmm. and haven't seen a penny. So what does yeah. that equate to in budget? Right. So, you know, it's fair to say that the budget was a lot bigger than it actually was. Um, but sometimes, you know, people can go and look and, and see it was a telephone micro-budget production, which means they couldn't have gone over 250 Right. So the official answer that we give now is it's 250,000 and six miracles. Right, right. <laughs> um, so if you can, you know, recreate a miracle for us, then right, yeah, we can probably right. do it for $250,000 again. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So and favors, yeah. right? And, and favors like, there's too. There's a lot of, yeah. yeah, there's, that's, that's, there's certainly a currency there too of, of, you know, what is uh, the, the correct. Oh, oh dog's barking. <laughs> Uh, what is the, uh, uh, yeah, what is the value of, of a favor or how do you return? Right, exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump into the, the upcoming deadlines. Sure, yeah. Starting with uh, the uh, Calgary uh, Society of Independent Filmmakers. I know what that's called. Yeah. Uh, the Fish Fund uh, in search of, uh, uh, in ser- is that what it stands for? Yeah, Fish, Filmmakers yeah. in search of a home fund. I had no idea. That's cool. Uh, longstanding uh, CSIF short film production incentive program designed to help developing independent filmmakers produce their film and video, uh, film or video, uh, by providing technical and services support. Now, this isn't money, uh, but it is in-kind services. So if you're planning on spending a lot of money on on, on gear, um, there you know you can get up to $2,000 in access to CSIF equipment and facilities place the whole yeah. auditions things like that you yeah. basically get two thousand dollars credit we we tapped into this fund yeah about, we did that's right 2010 ish early on yeah yeah and uh it was great i mean you yeah. know yes it's not cash but you can get your gear for free which yeah, but, is equates to cash yeah those things are going to cost you money so it, it basically is cash really yeah. um so uh yeah the deadline is august 1st so check out the csif website there are a number of different uh streams you can take 
And uh, I know uh, uh, Nick is really good about saying this as well when he talks about it, but it is super undersubscribed. Um, you may have very little competition um, at this next deadline. So, yeah. uh, you, you know, leaving money on the table is what yeah. he says people are doing. Yeah, and sometimes understanding how a grant is structured um, is a bit confusing to people. And and I know the CSIF uh, is as well, and that's uh, just is what it is kind of a thing. So they, they have a few different grants, and they're all part of what they call their production access fund. Mm-hmm. So the production access fund is kind of this umbrella term for all of their different grants. The fish fund is one. Right. They also have a couple more. One is the cultural equity fund, uh, which is under that access umbrella. Uh, and the cultural equity fund uh, provides opportunities for minority artists um, to express themselves. Um, and that comes with a one-year producing membership and uh, $1,000 in, in kind from the CSIF. Uh, and then as well as $250 credit towards CSIF workshops. They also have their Indigenous Voices Fund, which is, um, again, part of that uh, production access. And it's for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit artists. Uh, and that's the same as the cultural equity. So that comes with $1,000 of CSIF bucks, if you want to call them that. Right. Uh, and $250 towards a workshop. And, of course, they have an LGBTQ fund, mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, not surprisingly, is for emerging LGBTQ artists to express themselves. And that's the same as $1,000 in uh, CSIF money and uh, 250 bucks towards workshops. So there's and kind of tickets to the Fairy Tales Film Festival. Oh, there you go. And tickets to the <laughs> Fairy Tales Film Festival. So there's, you know, there's four different versions of this production access fund. And if you fall into uh, one of these minority groups, uh, there's, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit less competitive for you and right, uh, obviously right. more catered towards your specific needs. So all of those uh, are coming up on August 1st. Uh, and we encourage you to go for it. Absolutely. Because if you've got a, an idea, this could be, you know, the, the kick in the butt to actually make you go make it. Totally. So, so true. Yeah. Uh, we should, uh, we, we talk about NSI all the time. You, you know how uh, we feel about them. It's an incredible, um, uh, organization and, uh, they do incredible work. Uh, and, uh, if you're interested in, uh, getting involved in one of their programs, uh, one of the best is totally television deadline is August 13th. Um, and, uh, you know, so many amazing people have come out of this program. Totally. Um, you know, people involved with producers and creators of shows like, um, Orphan Black and Degrassi and Slasher and Frontier and like yeah, that's crazy. Sharp Objects, which yeah. is on now on, on HBO, like like crazy people like have have come out of this program. So uh, it's an eleven month course that includes an extensive training and individual ses- sessions with story editors, um, and you know you get in rooms with with the people you need to know the distributors, the broadcasters. Um, uh, it's yeah. an incredible uh, uh, program. Yeah, and it's a nationally recognized program. Yeah, um, and it's you know that the the, the people you know working in the higher positions in the industry know this program yeah and so it's a foot in the door right totally. to say oh they went through totally television it's a vetting process they know that you kind of know what you're talking about a little yeah. bit so yeah definitely something worth applying to uh, and finding out more about and even if you're not going to apply you should kind of know what what the nsi is absolutely absolutely uh, you know, yeah. so it's the onus is on you to do your research but you can find out more at nsi-canada.ca uh when is the deadline for this august 13th august 13th yeah. okay uh, okay, so um, there's a 48-hour mobile film challenge that's uh, happening during K-Days in partnership with the Edmonton Shorts Film Festival. Um, so, yeah, it's all kind of shot on a mobile phone. Uh, you do have to pre-register for it. The uh, It's a three-day mobile device filmmaking event um, that's happening uh, on July 20th. Is that right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Correct. 
It's happening July 20th uh, and then a couple and days around the, it. Yeah, yeah and then yeah. they screen on the 29th. You tweet, screen it on the 29th at the Edmonton Shorts Film Festival. Uh, you have to register in advance. Uh, you can find out more at esff.ca. Cool. Uh, in Edmonton, the FAVA Summer Party is happening August 17th from 6 p.m. to midnight. Uh, out in the or, uh, courtyard in the Ortona, Ortona room, uh, barbecue and potluck. It's free admission, uh, and it is the uh, annual summer get-together over at Fava. Um, I remember seeing social media posts from last year. It looks like a, a really good time. Yeah, it is, it is definitely a... And, of sweet. course, they screen the results of the Super 8 Challenge as well um, uh, at, at that event. event. Oh, that's yeah, cool. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, they, they also do... The way they structure their screenings is way, with their workshops is really smart. So... You know, Fava's uh, workshops are structured a little bit differently than CSIF's in that they kind of do an all-in-one sort of th- um, workshop course. And those those courses are called Video Kitchen uh, and Main Course. And the screenings for both of those past workshops are coming up. So the Video Kitchen screening is happening on July 28th at 3.30 p.m. at the Metro Cinema. Um, admission by donation. And the Main Course screening is happening August 5th at 4 p.m. at the Metro uh, admission again by donation. So uh, yeah, it's kind of a cool uh, event to go see what uh, some you know new and emerging filmmakers have been working on. Yeah, cool. Uh, did you did you talk about both of them? I did. Sorry, I got distracted by I your did. your lovely dog. Yeah, I know she was sniffing my ear. <laughs> okay, so main course covered as well. Great. Yes. So, so I am on to introduction to sound and film uh, sound for film and television uh, in the upcoming workshops and classes section of the show. Here, uh, this is happening at IATSE. Uh, on the 19th of this month, uh, and it's an introduction to sound for film and television, just like it says. Uh, I don't think I th- don't think we know the, who the instructor is yet still, but uh, topics to be covered, prepping for your first day on set, uh, department responsibilities and hands-on with gear, uh, providing an opportunity to speak with working uh, sound engineers and share ideas and ask questions. Um, so if sound is your thing, this is for you. It's $50, and it's, of course, happening at the IATSE 212 uh, training space that they have yeah. there. Uh, so the, the Alberta uh, production grant, which... Um is kind of the main fund that uh, uh, film and television taps into in Alberta um, to help them make their projects has changed to a screen-based production grant. Um, this was huge news yeah, maybe six, six to eight months ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe even 10 months ago now. Oh my God, time is going by so fast. <laughs> anyway, um, so the the uh, Alberta Media Fund will be holding one-on-one consultation sessions um, just kind of bring producers up to speed on... Um, on that the new grant uh, and just kind of help help you navigate uh, the new system um, and and you know answer any questions that you might have. Yeah. So they're hosting some sessions and they've actually introduced some more. Oh, and these are on here. Wow, Briar's fantastic. So in yeah. Calgary, uh, in Calgary, they're happening on July twenty third and twenty fourth, uh, and in Edmonton, they're happening on July seventeenth and eighteenth. And now they've opened up two more days, July twenty sixth and 27th the response apparently so good in edmonton that they had to add two more days yeah so you know calgary folks step up yeah uh, for we, sure, want, exactly. we want two more days yeah. here too so yeah. um it's an let's event make it eight days let's make it <laughs> <laughs> well it should be i mean you know this is a great opportunity to you know get some face time with AMF. yeah if you're not going and there's no like there's no reason sh- to you not. should go yeah. yeah yeah i think we signed up within 10 minutes of getting yeah that email. yeah um so it's an event bright uh thing to sign up for uh but you can find the link to that event bright uh in the show notes uh, or you can contact AMF, uh, who can you know answer questions by phone, um, and they can be reached at 780-422-8584. So this is interesting. Again, over at Fava, um, 
we used to we used to it used to be called I think the Fava Free for All. Yeah, and I think um, it still is a little bit in there. Yeah, or, yeah, maybe they're not using that anymore. But this is something super cool that Fava does, which is for members only a free night, uh, kind of covering a topic, getting hands on with um, whatever it might be. In this case, it's uh, intro to lighting. So from one p.m. to five p.m. Uh, on July 29th, you can attend uh, this event. Now there's only room for eight people. Uh, and it is for Fava members only. So, um, you know, getting hands-on with Grip Electrics, uh, basics of function functioning of lighting. Um, what? You, uh, oh, and if you should, if you do go, you should bring your multi-tool if you have one. Uh, some cloth-based gloves and leather gloves. Not your gardening gloves. Not your gardening gloves. Yeah. Wear uh, and wear clothes that can get dirty for sure. Uh, the CSIF uh, is hosting uh, their summer media arts camp, which is a summer camp um, for youth. Uh, ages eight or fifteen to eighteen. Uh, there are two. I think one of them is actually happening right now or just finished. Uh, and the second uh, week long camp is happening uh, Monday, August thirteenth to Friday, August seventeenth, nine a.m. to five p.m. every day. Uh, you do need to register by August eighth. This one is being taught by or run by Yvonne Ebuso. Uh Anna Cool. Oh, it's teaching the second one. Sorry. Oh yeah, Yvonne is going right now. Probably. Oh, Yvonne is going right now. Right yeah. Now. So it'd be Anna Cooley teaching the next one. Uh, both of them are, are fantastic filmmakers uh, definitely someone to know so uh, upon completion of this week you kind of make a short film with your team uh, in the week and it will be premiered at a gala screening at the CSAF so you can find out more at csaf.org and if you've got you know a young filmmaker in your life or someone who might be fancying this as a career uh, it's something that Matt did and or if you Matt just need and to get rid of a child for, or yeah just for... <laughs> if you need a week off <laughs> that's right you're totally right Aaron yeah. and I did, you the, just talked about did this. this together yeah, that's, that's right, right. yeah so that's uh, coming up. So definitely something to apply for sooner than later. The what's shooting section uh, of the podcast notes is usually a little sparse. It is. But, but wow, not right now. Which sucks because we're trying to crew up for <laughs> a feature. Right. This yeah. happened to us in yeah. Plainview. Suddenly everyone is making something. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, uh, Hudson, a uh, web series related to Heartland is going. Um, Tin Star is happening. East Texas Oil is a new one that's kind of hit the radar. This week, which is exciting, um, uh, July 16th to August 6th. That's a feature? A feature yeah. with Kevin Sorbo. Ah, right. And uh, Black Summer, of course, uh, getting started. A Netflix show, I believe, and Heartland, and a feature film called Z. Uh, and, of course, Jonesen happening in September. Uh, so uh, busy, busy, uh, which is good news for the community. Yeah, I think people, uh, uh, if you're listening to this as this episode comes out, I think Z, which is... Um, uh, being produced with Chris Ball and Kurt Harder. I think they're crewing up. Yeah. Um, kind of yeah. now. So if, if yeah. you are looking for, you know, something with a with a small indie movie, uh, it's a great opportunity to get some experience on a, on a set. Um, so I would recommend reaching out to them. And if you don't know how, then you can reach out to us and we'll connect you. Uh, and we'll tell you how to get in touch with us at the end of the show. Job calls. Job calls. Yeah. So we talked about this last week, so we'll just kind of fly through it. The Calgary International Film Festival has a lot of positions so open right now. So many things, yeah. Um just check out calgaryfilm.com slash join dash our dash team or find the link in the show notes. Deadlines are coming right up. Yeah, they um, really are. So uh, yeah, if you you know want a job in September, uh, this is a great opportunity to do that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the, another job I believe we've mentioned, the studio administrator role in Edmonton uh, at uh, Northwest Studio. Um, this is a gig for someone to plan, prepare, and manage all the administrative facets of the studio 
and its productions. Um, you're going to cool. be preparing detailed budgets, forecasting uh, for the production, and administrative cost centers for each production and other studio activities. This job is not for me because I don't even understand some of some of that stuff. I heard casting <laughs> and budgets. I know budgets. So they are looking for someone with a uh, with a bachelor's degree and at least five years experience in production management or an equivalent combination of education and experience, and some experience with financial administration and accounting expertise uh, as it uh, applies to project management. So. So with the qualifications, I think if you also didn't understand what we were saying, just like us, <laughs> yeah. you're probably not qualified yeah. for the job. <laughs> but there are some people I'm sure out there who have Of course, that. yeah. Uh, and this could be a really cool opportunity. You can check out the link in the show notes for more information on that. Okay. This week, we we actually did prep our recommendations. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time. Before in like, we hit record. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what's yours? Uh, I'm going to recommend, and I actually brought it up with you this morning, a movie called North by Northwest ah, by Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Um, I had never seen it, um, and I was looking at you know uh, somebody's list of the top you know hundred movies of all time or whatever, and, and I was like, oh, I actually have not seen North by Northwest. I should, I should check that out. Trying to catch up. I have on not them. seen it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and well, there's so many that, you know, I've, yeah. tons of Hitchcock movies I haven't seen. The only reason I've seen Rear Window, which is like, on it was, this was on Metacritic's list, and I think Rear Window is like two or three. Oh. on the list um, holy shit what's one is because Steve Ashworth my huh. my mentor had us watch it in 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 school and I was like right. and and recreate some scenes that wasn't us I did I did Citizen Kane but some some other students sure, sure, recreated sure. scenes um and anyway so North by Northwest the, the famous you know you know uh Carrie uh, what's his name not Carrie Grant is it Carrie Grant I think it is Carrie Grant uh <laughs> Briar nodding her head yeah. a little bit yeah. uh I think so yeah. <laughs> it is Carrie Grant she we're gonna so. we're gonna find out for sure. I think yeah, uh, but that famous image of him running down the kind of yes, correct. Thank you. <laughs> uh, with the air, with the airplane with the yeah, small like, yeah the flying like overhead yeah that's classic uh, piece of. I think any time there's like a clip show that's like Hollywood and cinema and yes. movies that yeah. that's always in it yeah, yeah for sure. And the reason I want to bring it up is because it's it reminds me so much of Jones in in, in and I don't know if Kevin oh, shit I should watch it. But it's but in some ways it is a. I mean, Martin Landau's in it, like as a young man, and uh, like just like a nice, like a collection of players, right. similar to the way that Jones right. is. Okay. Jones is also a case of mistaken identity story, um, and uh, Hitchcock, of course, is uh, incredible. He's and, a bit better than I and, am right now. <laughs> right, you'll get there. Yeah. I'll get there. Uh, his cameo is right at the beginning of this movie, and uh, it's just him missing a bus. Like oh. he's trying to. He's yeah. waddling up to a bus and the doors close on him and he doesn't even really care he just looks away it's <laughs> like a little more acting would be good there uh but but anyway it's incredible film incredible film of course uh no, you know uh as anyone would expect so that's okay. my recommendation well that's a great one yeah uh my recommendation is is uh akin to something i've recommended before i'm not sure if i've touched on this directly but uh it's about auditions and it's about if you're an actor and the audition process um i don't know if it if you've ever had to hire somebody, and I mean this in any professional context, as soon as you find yourself on the other side of the table doing the hiring, mm -hmm. it completely changes your perception of what an, a job interview is. Mm. Suddenly, um, you understand what someone who's hiring is looking for. Right. Um, and it's the exact same with casting. So, uh, you know, we're going through the casting process right now and I'm really in, in my head about it. And... Uh, just, you know, for, for actors, if you can ever f find a way to get into the casting room and sit on the other side of that table. Yeah. If you can be a reader or a, or run or, a camera. Yeah, exactly. Get, yeah. yeah. Run a camera yeah. or just, you know, just sit, sit and observe. Um, it will absolutely shine a, a light on the whole process. Mm. 
Um, and you'll realize that there's really no reason to be nervous. Totally. Um, and, and that what we're, when we're in the room, when we're casting, we're not really looking for how good of an actor you are. And I think that's, um, a fallacy that, or, you know, something that actors think is like, I got to really nail this audition by acting really well. Um, we're looking for a fit, Mm. right? We're looking for, you know, we've all got a version of this character in our head. Um, and you know, we're just hoping that, that, that is you, that you are that version of that character. It's so true. We like, like, yeah, I, I, you're, you're totally right. The, the, the vibe is, I think, commonly and not not every actor but i think new actors especially are like i hope i'm good enough yeah and that's so not it's it. not at all what it's we're, so not it it's no. it's like we, we hope you're the one that's yeah. like we are that is so like it's we are so, so rooting for you we are so on your side yeah we so want you to be the person too so when yeah um, when you walk in that room that's we're all rooting for you totally, all of us totally, like we want yeah. we want to to we want to be surprised and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, so it's really not about talent. It's just it, it really honestly is about being yourself. Um, and uh, you know, we're we're also looking for if we're gonna you know enjoy working with you. Um, you know, if you're if you're weird, some sometimes that's fine. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, if if it doesn't if we're not if we're not vibing right away, that's fine too. Like mm-hmm. it's not like oh no, I'm I'm failing at this and I'm not gonna get the part. And the other thing is, we have cast people. Um, who who maybe weren't as good as some people who auditioned because mm-hmm. they fit the part better. Yeah, yeah. So for us, it breaks our heart every time we have to cast a role because there are you know ten to twenty to thirty different versions of this character that we could cast, but we we have to pick only one for sure. So if if you don't get, a, and I'm not saying with us, this is auditioning in general. If you don't get the part, it's not because uh, you weren't good enough. And I can't tell you how many times when we when we were doing Plain View where I would say. Man, this is not the person for the role, but man, they are a good actor. Yeah, absolutely. I like. I, I literally I wish I had time to write something. Totally. For, like, uh, yeah. Like, I'm the same. I wish I could write yeah. something for you. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So, so I guess the, the short answer is uh, from a recommendation perspective is, and this goes for any role is, you get on the other side of the table, whether that's making your own short film and casting it, or if you're a screenwriter. You know, uh, accept scripts from other people and read them because you're going to find that you are also rooting for those scripts to be yeah, amazing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, I I want to care, be careful as well, uh, just because I would. Unfortunately, not everyone is talented. I hate to be the downer, <laughs> but there, but there are like, uh, yeah, uh, like I know, I know that some people go into auditions thinking like, oh, do I have any talent? You probably do. It's self awareness that you have, and that's a good thing. And I think this idea of getting getting in an audition room is a way to build more self awareness because you can see other people going through it. Um, but yeah, I mean, do do your classes and get honest feedback because you know it's it's also not necessarily for everybody. Um, that's a good point, and and I think. Um, uh, just to speak from my own personal experience, I don't understand how hard acting is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did some acting when we were when we went to Sate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I acted in some of our productions. Yeah. And uh, that's su- it. Sucks. It's so <laughs> hard. It's like be another person right now. It's, like right now, is. the camera's rolling, and I'm telling you to go right now. Yeah. And you know, I, I think we everybody fancies themselves an actor, and everyone I think has that like, oh, I could do that if I really wanted to. Um. And it's the same for like stand-up comedy. You're like, if I really wanted to, I could probably be awesome at right, that. Right, right. And it's it's not true. So not it's true. Really yeah. not true. I and remember. I, I know myself for myself. I can I cannot be an actor. For sure. It's it's so challenging. It really is. And 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 it seems easy, but it's so not at all. I remember. Uh, well, two things I I I, I 
talk about with acting lately or think about is uh, firstly, you're chasing something you're never going to get. Right. And I, I, you, you said said, I said it on the podcast yeah, just, recently, but, but you, you can't be another human being, um, right. even though that's, that's the goal. And there's also a story that my, my directing teacher in high school, uh, Greg Dollar Coltman would, would tell about an actor, a theater actor. And I'm sure it was somebody famous that I'm, I'm, I'm dropping the ball on this story. Um, but some, somebody epic and, and well-known and, and, uh, did this, did a performance of a play and he, and just seemed to tap into something different and maybe did become a different person for, for, for a moment. Yeah. And somebody came into the dressing room and, and this actor was, was pissed off and angry and upset about this performance. And they said, what, what, what do you, why are you upset? Like this is, this was transcendent. This was something unbelievable. And, and he's, and his response was, I know, and I don't know what I did. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Interesting. It's tough. Yeah, it it's is a tough, tough. It uh, is, business for it's sure. It's a tough business and especially acting and it's so um, fickle and, you know, I, I feel so shitty whenever we're casting because I'm sitting in a room judging people for three days. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you just and feel like a, a bad person. Totally. And it, and it goes to some people's heads and you have to be careful about that. And, yeah. and it's so funny because the f- tables get turned as soon as your film is done. And, oh, totally. And, and you're begging people to buy your Watch film your or film. screen yeah. your film. And, and yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, yeah. You you send your film out to audition to yeah, distributors. Exactly. And uh, yeah, we, we feel the, the exact same way all the time. For sure. Um, okay. Well, wow. We ranted a lot in this that one. That was a good that was fun, topic though. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's it. That's all for this week. Uh, thanks as always to Briar who's sitting right here. Finally. Hello. Uh, <laughs> who puts the news together for us every week. She scours the internet, uh, and all the newsletters. Um, and, uh, yeah, without, without her, we would not know what to talk about. It's kind of the whole purpose of <laughs> yeah. the show. So yeah. thank you, Briar. Uh, Chad who does the music, Britt who does the, the, uh, design design. Is that what she wants to Well, graphic design. Graphic yeah. design. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she gives the the look of the podcast. Yeah, if sure. you can see what the podcast looks like, that's yeah. Brett uh, and Seth who cuts it together for us. Yeah, and if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for and about you. So please do share uh, with us. Uh, you can reach us at hello at abfilmcast.ca and send us anything and everything that you think we should talk about or know yeah. about or uh, introduce yourself. And that, um, that's how we knew about Z was because I got a call from Chris Ball yesterday. Right, so right, right. Um, yeah, let us know what's going on. Cool. Uh, and you can find us oh, yeah, uh, on, social. on all the social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, uh, and our username on all those is ABFilmCast. Uh, and you can reach out to us via email. And we brought this up earlier in the show. Uh, if you want to get on a show or something or you don't know who to talk to, we might know them. Uh, hello at ABFilmCast.ca. And uh, we will continue with our mission of connecting the community. Uh, yeah, I think we know. talked about it with Aaron, too. Um uh, but you know we're we're always happy to provide a connection if you're if you're if you want to reach out to any of the guests we can always check and see hey do you want to talk to this person and maybe connect you with people who've been Certainly. on the show as well uh, and thanks uh, as as every week to all of our sponsors uh, another a group of people who the show would not exist without uh, and our final one uh, the Alberta Post Production Association uh, has a final message for you so once you're done listening to that go, go make, make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. 
For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.